I'm still recovering from this ridiculous party that we had at the house. The kids, they came over and they drew on the walls. Like, I let them do it. That's right. You let them draw on the walls. Because the wallpaper is so ugly. (laughs) But I'm still, it's like my house feels like it's in disorder. And it's not the paintings on the walls. That's like the best part. JJ, it is in disorder. You threw all your stationery on the ground behind you to clean it up. Look at it. Brad doesn't understand that I have to explode and then compact. You should take a picture of that mess as episode artwork. Yeah. As long as there's nothing personal in it. Oh, there's cancelled checks strewn about. Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I know, but this is Gigi's patented method of filing. Uh huh. Take your inbox, throw it onto the floor, get down on the floor and cry for a little while. Yes, because it's overwhelming, isn't it? (laughs) Right, then after you're done crying, then you start organizing. Mm -hmm. And here's Gigi's method of organizing when she's in the middle of a panic and crying. (laughs) What the fuck am I looking at? Does it go into a pile of anything else that is similar to it? Piece by piece, start putting things back together. And sometimes it takes forever. And Brad doesn't understand the process. And he's like, why are you making such a mess? And I'm like, no, I'm organizing. You don't understand. He organizes in a very different way. It's much more organized. I'd say he prioritizes things and there'd be a lot that doesn't get organized and just chucked. I think he's a bit more methodical than I am. But I'm more fun. That's right. You've got the fun (laughs) chip. Or the chaos gene. (laughs) I like to think that I'm fun too, but I'm not sure that people around us always appreciate that. (laughs) Right? I mean, I I actually had to tell my boss the other day, I'm like, no, you want me working from home. You don't want this fun at your office. Don't you see how distracting this is? Like everybody's taking fun, fun food Friday lunches. So I recently brought in a lunch gong. And this is like a Tibetan singing bowl like you hit with a mallet. Oh my God. Like I don't want people having lunch without me because I want to socialize. Right. You got to all have lunch at the same time. I am working here for the social aspect of it as well, right? Yeah, I get it. If you're not talking to other people, what's the fucking point? Right. The total difference is though, Brad walks into the hospital at 4.30 in the morning, closes his door on an office that has no windows that is next to the morgue, and then he looks at a microscope all day and does not interact with another human unless he is forced to. And he is. Because people are coming into his office all day, like all the time. Doctors are asking for consults and stuff. He's like, no, Gigi, you are the person that needs to be around people, not me. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has that gene. Like you have that gene, I have that gene, but some people do not. Saints 13, and we get Sarah Iring again, which I is know. great. So darling. My girlfriend. <laughs> not. I just like her voice. I had to force myself not to leave her in the clips when it really wasn't relevant. Oh, jeez. As I was chopping it up for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a guest with them, Brandon Metcalf. He's an archivist at the Church History Library, whatever that means. Yes, they have a library. And of course, we've got Ben Godfrey as usual. Yes. All right, here we go. Let's play this horse shit. This one I've called Lehman Copley says, get out of my yard. (laughs) One of these church members named Lehman Copley has a a large piece of property uh, outside of Kirtland. And so many of these Colesville saints that are coming from New York are, are sent there to settle on that land. After the settlement started taking shape, however, Lehman withdrew from the church and told the Colesville saints to get off his property. The evicted saints asked Joseph to seek the Lord's direction for them. Journey into the regions westward, the Lord told them, unto the land of Missouri. 
Oh, wow. That was a little ripping right there. I, you know what I'm always surprised about is how rarely you get to hear about all of the people that left. Because as a Mormon, these people disappear. Nobody wants to talk about the people that were kicking all of the Mormons off their property. <laughs> I'm not surprised that there was somebody like this. It's like, get the fuck off my property. I don't want to deal with you guys anymore. Like, this is BS. Because of all the things that Joseph Smith was pulling. Right. I mean, at a certain point, people get tired of giving your money away to the freaking church. They're doing the law of consecration, which is basically communism. They're all just sort of sharing property, living off each other, and eating each other just like praying mantises. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm Googling this guy right now. What was his name again? Copley, C-O-P-L-E-Y. He was an early convert to the Church of Jesus Christ, but he didn't go west with the pioneers. No, well, they went west because he kicked them off. So after this, Joseph suddenly gets God telling him to go to Missouri, and they have a really bad time there, but we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps getting these words of God from where Zion's supposed to be, but it keeps changing. Why are people still believing him? Have they not read their Bible when a prophecy doesn't come true? That's how you know a false prophet. Uh, it just frustrates me. They change the goalpost and that happens. I like know. As soon as somebody has a revelation and that revelation turns out not to be true, it's like, well, was it really a revelation? Was it God speaking? Was it a man speaking? Mm. He was disfellowshipped in 1832 for refusing to keep his promise to help the Colesville saints. And he testified against Joseph Myth. I'm liking him more already. I know. Although he also was a shaker at one point. So I'm like, hmm. Oh, Jesus. He had the mystical chip a bit, didn't he? Didn't he? Mm. So he just basically kicks them off the property, and that's why they end up going to Missouri. Yeah, because Joseph then has to get a new revelation from God. Didn't God see this coming, though? Right. Didn't any of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so let's listen to the next clip. We got Smitty says it's Zion, but then it isn't Zion. He's not sure where Zion is. He gets lost. Zion goes from being one place to being many Zions. And I'm just thinking, oh, come on. Can't you hear the redefinition in how you're telling the story? Yeah, yeah. Ezra Booth is a recent convert as well, a, uh, a former preacher uh, for the Methodist Church, and he's amongst several that are called to go down to hold a conference in Missouri. His conversion was kind of a miraculous thing, is that right? That's right. He saw uh, Joseph heal a woman's paralyzed arm. And Joseph's a little optimistic about this. He, he feels that Oliver has probably converted numerous uh, people. When they arrive, it's not so. It's quite barren. I think they have seven people join the church at this point. Feeling misled, Ezra and others began to question Joseph's prophetic gifts. Perhaps Ezra and others mistook Joseph's optimism for prophecy or revelation. I think Ezra and others were, were maybe duped into thinking that every waking minute Joseph is being led uh, by prophecy and revelation for everything he did. As you look through our history, everyone up. Uh, from your rank and file to the president of the church, revelation is not an easy thing. We all work for it. Ezra Booth, who becomes a severe enemy to the church and publishes uh, uh, numerous things that, that are really a, a thorn in the side of, uh, of church growth for some time. Are they listening to themselves talking? No, because to them it's acceptable to use something to the effect of that's what God wanted as an explanation. <laughs> 
We've got no explanation for it. It even doesn't make any sense from any Christian perspective. God wanted them to build a temple, but they never got it built. That, yeah, it's not really an explanation, but I mean... No! Look, you cannot judge God's ways with man's logic. Otherwise, nobody would have ever joined this religion, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, you have to bypass your own logic uh. and just assume that all will be revealed in time and that our little brain doesn't understand why God wants us upping and leaving and moving. Logic and humor is all I've got, though, to try and show people how shit this is. But I know it's not effective. Nothing is effective. You can't deprogram people, but I just can't stop. I I just have to keep doing it. Here, here's my question. Why do you think they were tarring and feathering these people? And his name was Partridge. A man that was Partridge was feathered. I thought that was quite odd. No, it's perfectly fitting. Of course he was given feathers. <laughs> you know, they were doing something that everybody in town thought was unacceptable. Yeah. Tarring and feathering them sends a message of displeasure with your behavior mm -hmm. and it doesn't kill you. No. That's a kindness in a way. At least they didn't drag him along by a horse or something. Nobody's trying to kill you. No. We're just trying to send you a lesson. Now, I don't approve of this kind of behavior. No. But the truth is, is that... It could be worse. They're doing something that's drawing this ire from the community. Mm. Starting a new religion that requires your young women. They're taking over your young women's minds. Definitely. Joseph is putting an earwig in there and just... He doesn't exactly know what he's going to do. He didn't have like a second plan. No, he has no plan. So he's running around laying cornerstones just hoping for the best. Yeah. I don't know. Poor Partridge. In the prickly pear tree. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. All right, go your thing. Yeah. This land, the Lord told him, is the land which I have appointed and consecrated for the gathering of the saints. This is the land of promise, he declared, and the place for the city of Zion. The saints were to purchase as much of the available land as possible, build homes and plant fields, and on a bluff west of the courthouse, they were to build a temple. So Missouri grows in the coming months and years, and a lot of the locals don't like this idea where they, they feel like this, this larger group is going to come in and they're going to run the politics in the county, they're going to run the economy, they've got what they think are some uh, outrageous religious ideas. Persecution ramps up. Edward Partridge is eventually taken out into the streets and tarred and feathered. Uh, they're driven from their homes, like many other saints, and, and go to a neighboring county, first Clay, and then Caldwell County. They eventually go to Nauvoo, and so they, they just have a, a, a rough time down there. That Is there anything that we know about why they would be instructed to move, even though it wasn't going to work out? You know, we, we really don't, other than it was what the Lord instructed. It's a time of refinement. It's a time of growth, really uh, strengthening of the saints. It's perhaps our, our darkest period uh, in Missouri. You know, they did lay a cornerstone uh, for a temple to be built there that, that was not and has not ever been built. And so we have the, these, these other Zions that, uh, and gathering spots that the Lord uh, prepares in years to come. On this podcast, they're redefining the role of the prophet. He's saying, no, the prophet is fallible, just like everyone else. I was raised to believe that the prophet was infallible. Right. That is a big 180. I haven't watched general conferences, but at a certain point, they shifted gears. You can't watch everything. It's too boring. Oh, I know it really is. It really is. <laughs> they shifted gears from 
The prophet has the uh, ultimate authority of God using the priesthood that nobody else has in any other church. This is what made us so special. Is to be a living prophet that was there on a daily basis in communication with God himself, providing us accurate revelation that was current in time for what we needed to know. Because the end of days were upon us. That's why we were called the Latter Day Saints. Oh my God. Now they've got different levels of it. We have God talking to the prophet as a prophet, but then we have the prophet talking as a man. Mm. And then we have sometimes the prophet talking as a man speaking for God. And when he is speaking as a man, he's fallible, and we shouldn't take anything that he says too seriously. How do we know the difference, though? That is the mystery that we shouldn't question because God works in mysterious ways. But we've got to know when he's talking as a man and not of God. Who decides this? Nobody knows. It's all based on context and some amorphous rule that we don't know. Is it based on a vote maybe? Because that's how Mormons do things, right? They get like a checklist or something in the mail to vote. <laughs> it's just, it's a matter of degrees. And you, they don't explain it. They don't. They let you wonder. And they leave it open-ended enough so that nobody can really hold them to account for anything. That reminds me, I was looking on the internet yesterday Today for Mormon fodder in the news articles and I saw that they're going to make a 28th temple in Utah and now there aren't 28 standing at the moment but this will be the 28th one they've built apparently it's totally unnecessary yeah Jones was like they're having trouble staffing the ones that they have yes and yet Nelson is still just building more of these things I think it's the weirdest thing I reckon his mind has gone hey I think he's a little bit alzheimer -y. All he wants to do, though, is build temples. I reckon the Quorum of the Fifteen have figured out that, hey, you know what? This is kind of harmless. We're just going to keep letting him build his temples. And if that's the worst that happens... He can't do much damage if that's all he's doing. That's right. We've got the money. We might as well just build these stupid locking buildings. So many temples. I don't know how they're keeping them busy. Like, I don't know how... And seeing people complain online about how they keep asking people to come and clean and like staff these places that it makes you wonder I think maybe somebody's just letting him get away with whatever he wants right now until he uh, ages out of the system it just seems ridiculous but I tell you what when the church folds and I think it will I am going to buy one of these temples hey turn it into a restaurant I need to make it big enough to have enough money to buy one of these temples when they go bankrupt I want to buy the one at Kangaroo point because location 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 what a fucking location it's like on some of the most expensive land in brisbane hold on googling right on the river it's beautiful it's walking distance from here and i want to own that motherfucker and i want to take moroni down and do something funny with him right Hold on, I gotta look at this. Oh, that is, wait a minute. Oh, just like a temple in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, they all look the same, hey? And they all look smaller and smaller. No, if you go to the one in San Diego, have you ever seen that one? No. Have you ever seen it? Oh, Google it, it looks like a castle. And everybody's like, what the hell is that doing on the freaking freeway? <laughs> I had somebody once say to me, it looks like somebody cut out a piece of paper of like a paper castle and put it on it because it just stands out weird. <laughs> Loading up the Wikipedia article. Oh, Jesus Christ. That looks like something out of hell, doesn't it? I helped open that temple. Oh, uh, did you wave your hanky around? I waved my 
my hanky around. And I was. You were disappointed, weren't you? Like, this is it? Like, this is it? <laughs> I sit for hours at the doors of the temple and we put booties on people so that they wouldn't ruin the carpet. Uh-huh. Because so many people were coming through before the temple was dedicated to go and look at it. Ah, uh, so this is during the open time. So that says that that was 1993 that it was open house? Yeah, 1993. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I was dating this Mormon guy that was like a total asshole. A Mormon guy that's a total tool? Oh, my God, Gigi. Tell me more. I will not. (laughs) I will never speak of it. But at the time, I was so Mormon, I didn't question anything that we were doing. I thought it was so beautiful. I thought the temple was great. I thought that they had the best freaking whatever you call that baptismal font, like with all of the damn oxen. Have you seen it? Yeah, I know. Oxen that are (laughs) life-size. We've got two more to listen to. So this is number four. Four. This is Joseph Gets Served Some Truth While Canoeing With Friends. Brandon, tell us a little bit about this trip with Joseph and Oliver and others as they try to paddle their way up the river to, to get back to Kirtland. It sounds awful, <laughs> to be honest. Any, any family uh, cross-country trip, I think, fails in comparison. Their disappointment with Missouri uh, really manifests itself. And so there's just extreme criticizing going on. Things so petty as the way that Oliver Cowdery paddles the canoe or uh, Joseph being a dictator. And so this, this goes well into the night. And it just, to me, sounds like the most miserable long trip back to Kirtland uh, that you could have. Eventually they have to kind of reconcile and, and they do you know, make, make, the, make the return journey home successfully. But they don't have to reconcile, do they? In fact, didn't Joseph and Oliver have a falling out for quite some time? I thought Oliver left the church or something for a while. It's okay to be mad, Oliver. He is a dictator. Nobody goes on a canoe trip and doesn't lose their shit. Like, of course it devolves into insanity. Like, come on. Can you imagine Joseph camping? Yeah. Ah, he would be hopeless. He's not that sort of person, clearly. He always has to have somebody do everything for him. Hold on, I'm looking at Oliver Cowdery real quick. Cowder resigned and was excommunicated. Yeah, this is why I remember him. He was excommunicated on charges of denying the faith. He claimed Joseph Smith had been engaging in a sexual relationship with Fanny Alger, a teenage servant in his home. But he returned to the Latter-day State movement in 1848, so apparently they took him back. Wow. The trip to Missouri was for nothing, and yet apparently God wanted them to go there and build a temple, and God told Joseph where to buy the fields or whatever and no none of it was actually God because it all came obviously to nothing there's no way you can rewrite it any other way and yet they seem to try and do that yeah I mean obviously some smart people got out like Ezra Booth he could see that Smitty is horseshit a lot of other people just didn't get it how long were they on that canoe trip <laughs> before they got back I know right I'm trying to get an idea of how miserable that was and what time of the year was it? <laughs> Could you imagine being stuck on a canoe with a bunch of assholes you don't like in like the worst heat weather or something? Uh, and then have one thing go wrong and then you're like, motherfucker, you're not paddling right. And then you're about like to kill each other. Uh-huh. It sounds like one of those situations. Oh, it would be horrible. <laughs> have you ever been on a bad camping trip? Disastrous. 
I'll never forget the time that I went camping in the desert on Y2K. <laughs> I was young, and it was Y2K, and we thought, well, you know, we don't think the world's going to come to an end, but let's go party in the desert. That sounds awesome, JJ. I wish I was as much fun as you. No, it really ended up being horrible, <laughs> because my husband and his brother didn't pack enough wood for the fire, and it ended up being very cold. And before midnight, my brother-in-law broke his collarbone on a dune buggy. What? And so Brad and his brother spent the entire New Year's Eve of the millennium in the emergency room while I sat next to a cold fire with some friends of theirs that we had come out with and it was just waiting for them to get out of the hospital. Is that when Brad decided to become a doctor? <laughs> no, he decided to become a doctor when he decided he didn't want to deliver ice cream anymore. <laughs> He's the ice cream man. But it wasn't like an ice cream truck, like doo -doo 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 -doo. It was like a big ice cream truck. <laughs> he was an ice cream man. <laughs> I got all the ice cream I wanted. Ooh. He, but he would deliver to like restaurants, like a lot of ice cream. And it was a really good paying job. He had the good shit. He did. And I got all the free ice cream we wanted. I mean, <laughs> I was so fat and happy. It was great. Oh my God. I've had some bad camping stories. I remember when I was in a thing that was like Scouts. It was this type of camp that they called a powwow that they do yearly and it wasn't like normal bush camping this is where they'd go to a campsite you know and people would put up tents and you do camp craft and things like that and it was just a long weekend and it was hot as fuck and you'd get home it's like I'm never doing that again it was so unfun and they'd have like church things at night where they'd try and get people saved that aren't already saved and yeah. the whole thing was a disappointment but we'd still do it every year like a year ago by it's like oh I've forgotten how bad it was and then there was a time I tried to make my own camping pack yeah because they were expensive I made a frame and tried to make my own thing and it fell apart while we were hiking to our location and it was just a clusterfuck and oh. That was unfun. So I've had some unfun times camping, but oh. I've had some good times too. But camping with Smitty and Oliver sounds like shite. Uh, they don't sound like they were having a good time. No. But this kind of camping back in the 1840s or whatever? It was just you against the elements. There was no cell phone. Yeah. You get an infection and you're dead on the side of the trail. Like you've got dysentery. It's like we're burying you. Uh-huh. Someone kicks you out of the boat, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play the last clip. Okay. I've called this one, Joseph is a time traveler. At this time, if I'm remembering correctly, South Carolina has a disagreement with the federal government, and there's a lot of um, arguing. There's even talk of secession. And Joseph prophesies that they will leave the Union, that war will begin in South Carolina, and it seems pretty eminent, like it's going to happen right now. But it doesn't happen right then, because we're in the 1830s. Now, later, we, we know, of course, South Carolina is the first to go, and the Civil War does begin there. But I, I think it's a, it's a great lesson on uh, the Lord's timetable. Uh, coming decades before is just evidence of the calling of a prophet, seers, and revelators that they see things down the road that uh, we may not. 
everything he says is true. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But saying that is the same as saying it's not true because everything happens that you can think of at some point, at somewhere. It's such a cop out. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> and here's the thing about uh, magicians and fortune tellers. Look, it's easy to make a lot of predictions. I can start doing it right now. Trump is going to get arrested and we're going to have a trial. Patience, you're going to get a job soon. You're going to get a job soon. You're going to like it. You're going to love it. <laughs> You'll like it, Patience. <laughs> They're going to pay you what you're worth and let you have time off. Oh, I know. It's all going to work out. It's all going to happen. <laughs> but here's the thing. People only remember the ones that come true. Right. How many other prophecies did Joseph Smith make that didn't ever, 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 ever even come close to true? And how how long did they have to dig to find this one prophecy that is kind of tenuous at best? Mm -hmm. They're selectively choosing right. things they're going to highlight as a prophecy that they are going to point to as being true. But I think what he said about it too was very general. Like, he didn't actually predict the Civil War. There'll be a war. He just said some stuff about There'll be a war. South Carolina or something. Right. When I was young and I was hearing prophets in our churches bang on, I would see these inconsistencies and that would mean something to me. That would mean, uh, this is not legit. It never read that way to mum. But my stepfather, he was more conservative than my mum. So we spent some time going to his Presbyterian church. And I don't know what the Presbyterians are like in the States, but here they don't believe in like spiritual gifts and stuff for now. All of that's just considered horse shit. So fortunately, I got some indoctrination there about how do you tell a false prophet, right? Well, if they're telling you porkies, if God is really talking to you, you shouldn't have to twist your brain around it. It should be just, this is it. And if it isn't, it isn't. But did you still believe in a God of some sort after you've lost your faith? I stopped feeling like I had to respect God if God existed. So I wasn't sure whether God existed or not, and I'm still not. Fortunately, I think I went the route of, well, there's no way that I can know. I don't need to worry about what I'm saying about it, her, he, whatever. So that relieved some anxiety along that line because I was very worried about all of that. And it freed me up to just joke about it. And then I kind of got pissed off. If God really does exist, he's an asshole. Yeah, why is all this shit happening? Mm -hmm. And even now, it's like I still feel like my human condition which is this central crisis we all have like I will die someday what does this all mean does you mean I'm gonna just nothing's gonna happen or everything's gonna happen I plan to live forever JJ Brad does too I am the opposite I am very consciously planning my death oh dear in a not bad way <laughs> Let me rephrase. I'm very consciously planning for my aging, a comfortable exit. I can't rely on my husband living past me because men die first. Especially with what Brad eats. He actually eats pretty healthy. Really? I don't know, Gigi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cookies, all of that sugar. But he eats so healthy for the rest of his meals that it doesn't... And he was the ice cream man. I know. Mm. But, yeah, he's always been healthy. Mm. You know, I wasn't born with a god. Like, I was born without one. Like, I was just one of those people that was born without a god. Mm. 
But then somebody assigned me one, and that was the Mormon God. (laughs) And I didn't like that assignment of that particular God, and so I... You had God reassignment surgery. I was looking for God reassignment surgery, and I couldn't find another God to reassign to me. Had a long recovery time. Yeah, so now I'm just... So looking, like, I'm not the kind of atheist that is going to tell you what to believe. I'm just telling you that I haven't found anything to fill that God-sized hole in my soul. I'm with you. So if somebody could convince me of something that I would find more believable than the things that I could imagine, mm. I imagine that when I die, you know, all kinds of amazing things could happen. Like, I hope for all these things, right? <laughs> I hope that I'm being haunted by all these people that are working in the background to make magic in my life. What a comfort is that? Do I believe it? No. (laughs) Hope for it? Sure, why not? Does that hurt anybody? No. It's a charmed life, isn't it? Going by the dictates of a guy that was a young kid in the 18th century when he put together this, that's not a good way to guide your life either. Like, I I would rather use other ways to guide my life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be a better way. Well, JJ, thank you so much for giving your time once again. Sorry if I exhausted you because that was a lot. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time. I'm going to let you go and get some sleep. Enjoy your job and yes, get some sleep and say hi to Beth. See you later. I will. Take it easy. See you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I guess this is my new normal.